This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Remember, Paul, just want to remind everybody that tickets for WrestleMania go on sale tomorrow through Ticketmaster. And with that, I will turn it over to our Executive Vice President of Talent Live Events and Creative, Paul Triple H Levesque. Hey, everybody. Uh, Thank you for joining the call today. As usual, um, I appreciate everybody being here. Um, I will, I'm I'm sure somebody will ask about it. I'll address my my injury status straight up front, head surgery a week ago yesterday. Everything is feeling good. Somebody will add a mobilizer. And uh, on the road to recovery, it's just rehab, rehab, rehab now. And uh, I will be back, but that does not stop. Uh, this machine from rolling on and business as usual, and I'll be headed to L.A. Um, tomorrow to uh, begin preparations for what is a very exciting NXT takeover. I say very often that these are, um, you know, great cards and how excited I am for them. This one is, is really, um, really something special. I feel like NXT TakeOver War Games this Saturday at the Staples Center. Um you know, War Games is a special place for me, creation of Dusty, and um, just what I feel is a, is, is a great match this year, I think. Coming off of last year, people not really knowing exactly what we were going to do, us changing it up slightly, this is the, the year that we're going to show that this is going to become an epic yearly event, and um, with the talent that are in there, um, it's easy to see how good it's going to be when you put talent like Ricochet, Pete Dunne, the War Raiders against the Undisputed Era, all four of them. It, it's just it's bound to be something special, and, and I can't wait to see that go down. And the thing with this card is you could make an argument that every single thing on this card could be the main event. Um, you know, whether it's War Games, whether it's the NXT Championship match between Velveteen Dream and Tommaso Ciampa, um, Velveteen Dream just... Um, it's, it's hard to even put a, a statement around how good he is at his age and how new he is and, um, you know, the future incredibly bright. Tommaso Ciampa just coming into his own in the last year, just probably one of the, the best heels in the business, in my opinion. Um you get down to Alistair Black and Johnny Gargano, just an uh, epic to me. It's just storytelling. We had to roll with the punches on some things and an injury and getting into the who done it and all the what it took to get to this. I'm really happy with how that story played out, and I feel like the momentum behind that and the anticipation for that match between those two and given the talent that are in it, I mean, it should be incredible. And then, of course, Kyrie Sane and Shayna Baszler who are in uh, two out of three falls who have just – you know, hit it out of the park every time they've been in the ring together, my opinion. So I'm excited for this card and really excited about the fact that when you really look at the roster in NXT, again, just kind of re uh, reestablishing itself, firing on all cylinders. When you look at this card and then you start to look at the fact that EC3 is not on there, that 
you know, um, you have a, a plethora of talent across the board that are not on this. Like I said, EC3, Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, uh, Lars Sullivan, you know, from the from the women's side, Nikki Cross, Dakota Kai, Candice, Bianca, Shayna, I mean, uh, Lacey Evans. Like, it just, there are so many talented people right now that are, are coming into this and that are just uh, lining the locker room and NXT waiting for their chance to just knock this out of the park, and I think that's what makes us so successful. I also want to mention that, to me, the excitement level coming off of NXT UK lately has been um, impressive. I'm, I'm happy fans seem to be very responsive to the brand, very responsive to the product that we've put out so far, and I look at as we turn the corner into the new year, uh, really making uh, some announcements and making that into something special as well, and uh, really beginning to deliver on on uh, on the fan base there, something that they'll be thrilled with. So, with that said, um, let's get into the call. If you'd like to ask a question, that is star one on your telephone. If you're using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Again, that's star one for any questions. Our first question comes from Brian Fritz from Sporting News. Please go ahead. Oh, my God. Yeah. What an upset, huh, guys? In a stunning upset. The streak is can I take a minute up. to do a victory lap? Or okay, You can do a victory lap. It's, uh, man, shocking. Quite the upset. I love it. So you guys brought back War Games last year for the first time in almost 20 years since it's been done. So what did you learn from the War Games match last year and what was done right and what you would do differently? Um, well, you know, last year, given the position that it was in, it was kind of three different groups. And it, it just this has a different feel to it, right? So this is a little bit more towards the traditional side with, uh, and I, I know they were usually five on five, but this is the the the, the you know, the two teams, the, the straighter format. Um, I, you know, I was thrilled with last year. I thought we took a, an amazing concept and, and modernized it slightly for today. Um, you know, there was some debate about the roof on the cage or whatever. Look, it, it, it's limiting uh, for talent. And, um, you know, I think that last year proved that it, it can be – a very, very exciting format that can showcase talent and all their abilities, and I'm I'm really excited for it. I'm I'm more I'm more excited about the things that we did right last year, and that they that showcased talent in a way that was extremely positive. I think everybody, for the most part, walked away from that night with a positive experience of, of war games, and I think they will this year as well. So, really looking forward to continuing to make this into a, a franchise and a brand for for WWE and NXT going forward. You talked about Velveteen Dream. What in particular over the past even three, six months has really impressed you and how do you compare him to other young talent that you've seen and how quickly they pick things up and progressed? You know, it's, um, it's one of the things that I've been the happiest with, with the system in general, I think, of the, of the PC whether, and, and, the, and the training that we're putting talent through, whether that be um, the current talent that are constantly there or like when we're bringing talent over from Europe and they're, they're coming in for a period of time a week, whatever that is, or, you know, 
in the case of like beat down Tyler Bate, they're here a bit more often and in the, they're ingrained in the system a bit more. It's, it's the ability for them not only to get the messaging, but to hear it, understand it. Like you, you can have two people can give you the same message. One's a good teacher and one's not. And, and you will either learn it or you won't right? depending on who's telling it to you. Um, you know, when you're giving them the message, I don't know if it's just we're getting it to them in a better way and they're able to absorb it better or if just the talent are just more open to it and are are more adapted at getting it, but they're sponges. People like Pete Dunn. People like uh, Patrick Velveteen Dream. You know, they're just, when you go over stuff with them, the thing that's so impressive with me is we might be in full sale and uh, we talk about some stuff with talent there. I go back three weeks later and then they have it down. You know, it's the thing that we talked about, the thing that you, you know, worked with them on, on trying to get better on it, and it is just there now. And it's there like it's natural, and it's been there. It's They're just able to uh, accept the the critique, process it, and go. And I don't know if that's being more open to being coaching. I'm not sure what it is, but the, the town are extraordinary at it. Velveteen Dream is one of those guys that just – Man, he he is a sponge for it, and he just picks it up and he gets it instinctively. Um, and if it's something that he didn't pick up instinctively, and you explain it to him, once he goes like, "Oh yeah, I get that." Man, he's off and running, and it's and it's a you know the light bulb is just on. Pete Dunn, same thing. There's so many talent that are that way, um, and and I see that in a lot of talent. The growth curve is huge. Rhea Ripley's the change in who she is as as a performer in the a very short period of time. Bianca Belair, um, all there's so many of them. It's, I I hate to even start mentioning them, but they're they're able to transform and just change quickly as talent, and and to grow and to become something more. Um, I can't tell you how many times when we're watching talent will deliver on something spectacular, and if there's one thing that goes wrong and somebody brings it up, you have to remind yourself that, oh, yeah, like this person's only been doing this for two years or this person's only even been with us all in from the first time they stepped through the ropes for two years. You know, it's it's um, it's remarkable, the progress. Our next question comes from Mike Johnson from PWInsider.com. Mike, I was fearful record. for a minute that I was fearful for a minute you were going to drop down the line and be like three or four, but you, you had a it's, a it's just a small drop. So I, I'd like the record to state I never liked that Brian Fritz guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> in Brian's defense, in Brian's defense, he called in at like eight thirty last night. I don't know if there's oh, any. Well, I don't know if there's any legal action on a recount too for who goes first, maybe going forward. It seems to be the thing now. <laughs> Okay, um, I'll look into that. So, um, you had the tryout in Germany recently, and obviously NXT UK is uh, running a number of episodes every week now. What sort of insight can you give us into the continued expansion into Europe and uh, NXT internationally? Because you know there seems to be uh, some sort of relationship with WXW in Germany. Obviously, you have the relationship with Progress and ICW. Uh, and even here in the States, the Evolve relationship has grown of late. You know, what sort of insight can you give us a, a, a into sort of the, the international push? Because even on the most recent stockholders call, there were references to international performance centers and things like that. So how close are we to having these full time? And uh, what's the next step that you can uh, kind of provide some insight on? Yeah, I mean, um, we're obviously making progress on it 
uh, going forward every day. You know, uh, the tryout in Germany was was very successful for us. Um, a lot of uh, athletes came forward that were that have experience, and we found many that don't that have a, a, a seemingly a, a gift or a, a natural propensity towards being good at what we do. Um, but only time will tell, obviously. Um, you know, th- the ability to build a pipeline, as I've said many times around the world, and a pathway to get to WWE. To get to a point in your career where you can be um, successful and lucrative without the risk, without the the, um, the hustle, without the inherent issues that go along, and I don't mean this as a knock in a way, but with the independent side of it um, where, you know, am I going to get paid? Am I going to show up and the ring is there or is it broken? Is you know, if I do get hurt, is there a, a doctor or a paramedic even there? Is there, like, what are the things that are the basic necessities? And trying to create systems around the globe with the promotions that are do things in the right way, the meaningful way that are that are cultivating talent, that are helping them to grow and become something more. And you know, long term, my goal would be to have this around the globe where there is a viable. Um, you know, it it can be done now, but it's the exception to the rule, and it's here and there, and it uh, takes a lot of hustle. But to have a career, if you never make it to Raw or SmackDown, if you never make it to that level, but that you can have this successful long-term, long career with some security to it, with some... Uh, with your health in mind, you know, all those things that come along with it. And I think we're pretty far down that road as we move forward. You're you're seeing a lot of um, what's happening in the UK, you know, along with Germany and everything else, but a lot of what's happening talent-wise and, and promotion-wise and um, with NXT UK, it's just that that's a little bit of a more mature market, so it's happening a bit faster, but you're going to see them coming up around the globe and it won't be that long. I, I, you know, I think within uh, the, the early part of next year, we'll be making some big announcements on, on, on different movement in markets that I think will uh, be very impressive to people and, and to be able to train people around the globe and have that path to the career for them uh, is very important. All right. Um, question about takeover. We've got Shayna against uh, Carrie Sane again. At Evolution, we saw Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir interfere and get involved in that. Was that uh, considered to be their official NXT debut? Or are, these, are they going to be characters going forward on the TV show, or is that just a one-off because of Evolution and obviously the relationship with Shayna? No, I think they're uh, – look, I think there's no doubt that they're in the PC, that they're a part of the system already, both Marina and Jessamine. Obviously, they have a – relationship with Shayna, so I think you'll see that play out. Um, where that goes, you know, the, the two of them are just getting started at this, right? So um, you're, the, the, there's, there's some some limit there to the things that they can do, and, and we'll see how fast they progress. But um, just like anybody, we'll, we'll, we'll keep our, our finger on the pulse of where the characters go and move them from there. But um, I, I, I'd like it to be the start of something more, but we'll see. Our next question comes from Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net. 
Visit hey, Fightful.com. Hey, you've uh, spoken in the past about how NXT is a third brand, not just developmental. With that being said, is the ultimate goal still to move the top-level NXT talent up to Raw and SmackDown, or have you reached a point where we could actually see some main event-level talent just become mainstays in NXT? I, I think you. I think you could be at a place where you see main-level talent stay um, in NXT, I think you could also, we're also at the point where you could see some talent that have been on Raw and SmackDown for periods of time and either have had success, not had success, or for whatever reason, um, aren't being utilized, go back into NXT. Much like you might have a talent that doesn't get a lot of exposure on SmackDown, but moves to Raw and, and it's a game changer for them. And all of a sudden they start to do something more in something different. I, I do think it's a third brand. I also think that with NXT in the UK, I think that as we move forward with these other brands, it's opportunity for people to continue within the system and and work at different levels. Um, but but I think we're we're clearly there now um, to where I think you could see a lot of these talent become mainstays um, in in the brand that they're in. So NXT included. And as we move closer to 2019, do you envision the number of takeover specials and the length of these specials increasing or remaining the same? So, you know, I guess the, the, it's a supply and demand, and if the demand increases or, or is, is such that we maybe do more of them, I, I'm not a big fan of just giving more to give more. And, you know, even for me on the length of the shows, um, I feel like we're kind of in a sweet spot. I like leaving people where they're excited for everything on the show. And uh, when it gets to the end, you, you're looking forward to more as opposed to being so burnt out. You know, it's just such a long event or um, it, it being lengthy or having to have, you know, sort of uh, break break areas within the show when you structure the entire show that you have to have ebbs and flows in there so that you can kind of bring people down after one epic main event, but, you know, give them a rest before they get into the next one. So it, um, it, we'll see, you know, where it goes. I do envision us probably doing some, some things in the UK with, with, uh, the brand there, NXT UK and, and doing some larger events there, hopefully, um, but we'll see what that magic number is as we move forward. And again, keeping your thing, trying to keep your finger on the pulse of what's what's enough and what's too much, and and manipulating that as you can. Well, good luck with the show and your recovery. Thank you very much. Our next question comes from Dave Melter from Wrestling Observer. Please go ahead. Hey, Dave. Hey, hey Paul. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, sorry to hear about you know the injury and everything, but uh, I know you've been through that stuff before. It's a different injury, but yeah. um, good luck on the on the recovery. Thank you. And um, yeah, there's a, a lot of stuff. You know, one one thing on the um, what was what was behind the decision making, say for for um, Saturday's show to go with four matches instead of five? Um, I guess longer matches would probably be the answer. But was there any? Is it just like one of those things where you looked at the card and you just said? Look, we've got a two out of three fall match. We got a war games, and um, you know we we have a certain time, and we don't we don't need a fifth match. Or what was kind of the mentality behind that? Yeah. So as we put 
time into it. You know, like war games just take some time, right? You, the match itself doesn't even start till everybody gets in the ring. I mean, it just it just takes time to get into. So you kind of have to um, give that match more time. When we were doing the planning phase and, you know, as evolution came into play and we decided where we wanted to go there, it, it sort of changed how we looked at uh, this card a little bit. And as we got into the two out of three falls with Shane and Kyrie, that takes more time. So, you know, I don't want to ever get into a format where we go, look, it's got to be five matches or it's got to be six matches, whatever that is. And then here's the allotted time. And, and that's what it is. Try to put a feeling into it. And, and I, it's, it's a gut thing, right? We all just kind of mill it around and decide what we think is going to be the best uh, overall experience. And could we add in another match? And yeah, you run the risk of it being a bit long. And does it does it add to it or does it subtract to it? That's so it's a judgment call. So we, we kind of got to where we are, and and I think we all collectively agreed on on where we're at now. But um, we'll see if we were right or not. You know. Well, I don't think the card can go wrong. I mean, you know, it's, it's a super lineup. So. Yeah, um, it's, it's a it's a pretty spectacular lineup, and like I said earlier, and I truly believe that anything in there has the potential to really walk away with being the match of the night. Yeah. The other thing is, so for the UK market, you know, now you've got the TV on the network every week, so that's that's part established. Yep. At, at what stage do you start doing house shows, and is your is your goal? If that's even your goal. And is your goal, if your goal is to do like you know three a week or two a week, or what's kind of like the, I, I would say the end game, so to speak, for for NXT UK. What you know as far as a. Uh, a format of working style, working for the, you know, you know, that type of thing, schedule and, and what those uh, talents over there would be working. Yeah. I mean, for me, it would be sort of kind of replicating what we're doing here in a way um, with NXT, as far as if I was just to just look at that as a U.S. based product, right. And say, here are the, here's how we run it in the U S to do something similar over there. But the first thing you have to do is get the product on the air get people accustomed to what it is, and then, um, again, see what that desire is to see it elsewhere. As of right now, it's been super successful. You know, the the buzz on the brand has been extremely positive. People are happy with the, um, with the, the, the show and, and the talent that are in the show. And, um, you know, it just comes down to to me like once we get there like i don't want to i don't want to run live events just to say run live events and they're not great and they're kind of half there and half not there and you know it's it's a process of getting it into the right place where people are are excited to see this there's a desire to see it we feel like we can run make them successful make a run at them and and continue to do it um i i have no doubt that's coming i have no doubt that to me um this this brand just to me watching it. And again, maybe I'm biased cause it's ours, but like, um, it's, it's successful. The buzz is hot on it. I think people are going to enjoy it. I think they're going to want to see it, uh, when it comes to their town. And I think when we will, we'll start that slowly and we'll build it up to where it's, it's a functioning brand, you know, with a, with a group of talent that are on the ground, there, training in a facility there. Um, you know, much like, we, much like we're doing here, replicating the system, in, in various parts of the world. Next question comes from Jim Varsalone from Miami Herald. 
please go ahead. Yeah, Paul, following up on the touring part of it, what Visit do you see Fightful. them 2019 for NXT overall touring? Do you think we'll see the same amount of house shows, double shots, more or less, even Evolve involvement, and NXT UK, could we even see that tour over to the United States? Yeah, I think, like, over, example, uh, WrestleMania week, you'll definitely see NXT UK over here as a part of that. Um, will will some of the NXT UK talent tour over here in the U.S.? Yeah, they might just do it under the NXT banner itself. We might flip-flop guys ba- back and forth a little bit. You know, there's no reason why the NXT champion here can't go over to the U.K. and, and compete on those cards or, or the as Pete has done many times here now, come over here and compete here, or those tag champs come over and compete here. So I think you have the opportunity to do a lot of things and keep people working, keep people moving, um, and getting more and more experience. Um, You know, as far as what the schedule looks like goes, I I would like to increase it some. As you mentioned, double shots. I don't think anybody wants double shots. Um, You know, I I don't know that the, the, the... the style today and the, the increased uh, physicality of what we do today is uh, conducive very much to anything but the rare occasional uh, double shots. Um, I think talent are so hungry, they'd be thrilled to do them, but I just don't, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in their long-term. Um, but, but we're constantly looking at it. I'd like to add in events. I'd like to add in some more larger events, even if they're not necessarily um, takeovers. Uh, add in some larger events to to begin to even if it's to tape specialized content from those events and put it within the network itself. Um, you know, d- we're going to experiment with a lot of different things, and you'll see in the next year, um, year to eighteen months, I think you'll see a lot of experimentation and a lot of changes in how we do things. Um, and it's all going to be, uh, you know, again keeping your finger on the pulse of it. Do people like it? Do they not? Is it working? Is it not? Do we need to do more? Do we need to do less? So it's it's a work in progress. And Paul, with NXT and how it's grown, is it more about developmental and show quality than the financial side? And I know the financial side is important too, but where do you draw the line there between those components? So if you if you I, I think what you're asking, and I think I'll answer this for you is. You know, you have to look at it multiple ways of NXT, the performance center, the the feeder system itself of what it what it costs and what it takes to bring talent up and into the system. And you know, it's it's hard to look past the fact that you uh you take a guy like Braun Strowman who had never stepped into the ring in his life never stepped through the ropes and walked into the performance center. We brought him in, uh, trained him, got him up to the main roster. And, and he's, you know, one of the biggest stars in the company, that value is incredible. You, you don't just pick individuals and go like, that's the guy. And then that's the guy you have to go through. You have to bring in a lot of people and you have to try a lot of things. And you got to go through a lot of people to try to make that work. And you're going to find people all up and down the card. So there's a, there's a value to that in and of itself, when you can then turn around a brand on top of that and you can turn around a talent roster on top of that where you're cultivating all of that and then you're building additional brands on top of that, you know, NXT does make money on the road touring. 
you know the the takeovers are are profitable the you know it depending on how you look at it but you you have to factor into those it's not just one thing where you say well the performance center the that entire system the 100 athletes that are there training all goes to NXT because that's not the point long term the point is the overall health of the business and the brand for us and and that's on a global basis um and as you begin to bring those in they're all investments in the content and the talent that are there locally but they're all long-term investments in WWE as a whole that there's going to be a talent pipeline that not only is trained in ring properly is trained promo properly is media trained is professional is as life skills and and you know is going to know how to invest their money and is going to know all the things that it takes to be successful in not just this business, but in life going forward, the more we have of that, the better it is for everybody. Hey guys, we have time for some more. We have our next question from Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful. Please go ahead. Hey Paul, thanks. A few a few years ago, there there was a lot of discussion about WWE maybe not hiring people that were a little bit older and and the certain guidelines that it took to, to get hired by WWE, and it seems like that has definitely changed. You all have Luis Martinez and Shayna Baszler, who were both hired in their mid to late 30s. Can you explain to me uh, like maybe why that changed, the mentality of changing that, and maybe any conversations that went into making that change? I don't know that there was ever... You know, it's funny, sometimes you hear these, or I, I read and I see rumors of like, well, there's this hard and fast rule that they don't do this. It's not a hard and fast rule. It just became kind of the norm, right? Um, I can tell you that if you said to me, how many people in their mid to late 30s are you going to hire to try to get started in this business? It won't be a long list. You know, um, it has to be a special talent, and it has to be a special talent that has the ability that we feel has the ability to succeed, that has the ability to do it in, in a time frame that's accessible and be successful for a period of time that's worth the investment, right? I mean, and and then and then what are the other plans for them long term? I I don't. There are there are some talent that I bring in that it's it's later in their careers, and I'm I'm really looking at them going like, look, bring you in, we'll get you up to speed, we'll put you in the programming. If you have a couple of years and you do well, that's great. But then I'd love to talk to you about transitioning to the other side of the business and maybe becoming a coach or becoming a player coach for a while while you're still working. And, you know, as some of the younger talent are coming up, having somebody with a lot of experience that can get in the ring with them, that we've gotten up to speed to sort of our playbook, so to speak, and, and you know, work with them on a regular basis and give them that hands-on guidance like uh, generations prior had that ability to. I had that you know, I was lucky enough to to come into it at a time when there were a lot of veterans in the locker room, and you got the opportunity to get in the ring with them and learn from them every single night, and that's how you got great. You know, um, it it doesn't exist in a lot of ways in some places, but there are a lot of new people coming up and and having that. So there's a lot of different reasons why we hire people other than just, hey, I'm looking for somebody that can be a main event player. There's a a whole a whole different way of looking at it that, you know, there, there are some people that I've brought in, um, even internationally that I've said, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a chance and to see how they do on this physically. I don't know that they're going to make it. 
but I have another role for them in mind of something that they're really good at, a speaking role or something, and I'm waiting to see if the physical pans out. If it does, great. If it doesn't, i got another role already in mind for you, and I'd love to talk to you about this and, and see about moving forward with that and see where it goes. So there's a lot of thought that goes into it. To kind of follow up on the, the player-coach thing, one of the benefits of that great Breaking Ground series that we saw a few years ago was some of, some of the talent back then even helping out that had a little bit more experience. Who are, who are some of the people at the PC that you see kind of going above and beyond to, to help other people? And is there any chance we get another look at NXT like that Breaking Ground series that was so well-received? Yeah, look, I would, I would love uh, to get that back. You know, I, I, be, I truly believe in that series, um, and I think that there was a great interest in it. I don't know that we did it to the best in the best uh, way possible. I think we learned a lot from it, and that if we did it again, we would do it very differently and, and uh, make it successful. I, I, I think that somewhere down the line, just me talking, that I think that you could see something like that in, in, a, in a series like that again, um, and I think it would be very successful. I, but I will say that one of the things that we've hit on when you talk about the performance center and, and so a step outside of, of the, the pro wrestling world and the WWE world for a second to go to other sports environments. We have a lot of people that come into the performance center now, um, whether it be from the NFL, NBA, we have teams coming in and they come in and they tour the performance center and they want to see how we're operating and they'll spend a day or two with us to try to see what we're doing because they're looking to do a complex similar and they're going to best-in-class places and looking at it, which is very complimentary to us. Across the board, one of the things that we always get comments on above and beyond is the culture of what we're doing. Um, it's one of the things I'm most protective of at the PC. If somebody comes in there and their attitude is wrong, that they're going to ruin the culture within the PC, I'll eliminate them. I, I don't want it in there. I won't allow that to break down. Part of that culture is the ability that it's it's very much a team environment, and that's really what our business is. While everybody's out for their own individual success, you work together to do it. So as talent become more and more successful, they're very engaged in the success of the people that are underneath them. And you see that across the board. Um, you know, at the, at the upper level, the Tommaso Ciampas, the Garganos, the, um, the Alistair Blacks, the Adam Coles, the, the people that have the experience are constantly feeding back down and helping to bring up the others beneath them to give them that more experience. And then as you see them getting more experience and you see them growing into the role, they're doing it with the people underneath them. You know, so that, that feed, that trickle-down system, when you, you, know, you get to the top of it and it's, you know, the coaching staff that's there, Sarah Amato, Sean's there, you're getting the greatest coaching from that level in the world, but then it trickles down and as people are learning it, they're, they're really passing it on to those underneath them. And I think it's the success of why you've seen the growth curve in so many talent be so fast because they're just 24-7 immersed in this environment where everybody around them is invested in their success and helping them to grow. They're not just doing it and then sitting back and look, trying to watch their matches and figure out for themselves, like, well, did that look good or did that not look good or I don't know if this worked out. Like, they have that at all times being being put to them by everybody around them. And it's really this amazing culture that uh, I'm really proud of. And um, it's this, it's, to me, it's the secret of the, of the success there. Thanks, Paul. Really appreciate you doing these.
All right, guys, we've got time for one more outlet, but we'll only allow one question because we're running out of time. Sorry about that. Next question comes from Gary Stonehouse from UK Sun. Please go ahead. Hey, Gary. Hi, Paul. Thanks for your time this evening. Thank you. And obviously, massive weekend ahead for yourself. I just wanted to touch on some of the, the people you've mentioned there. And, you know, what, one of the, the matches I can't wait to see is undisputed era again inside World Games. You've been involved with some of, you know, the best factions of all time with DX and Evolution. Just, what, you know, it, it, how far can undisputed era go in, in WWE? I think um, I think they can go wherever they want to go. To be honest, you know, there's something when when a group like that exists and it's real, you know, and there's just something that you can feel about it. Um, those guys all get along. They all are uh, truly close. They all think similarly. They all have this kind of um, connection between them. So it plays off well, and and what I mean by that is when 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 they're on screen together, it's authentic. It's not forced. It doesn't feel like uh, you know two square pegs and one round peg all trying to be on the same page, and it doesn't quite fit. Or they kind of seem like they're all working together, but they're not finely polished unit, and that it, it's it's very um, very seamless and very very much they get along, and it's it shows. I think you see that in tag teams. I think you see that in anything that's a group environment like that. When it's authentic and it's real, there's something that makes that um, just take that next step. So for them as a group, I think that it can lead to them being wherever they want to be. And, you know, uh, sometimes when you look at guys in that group, and, you know, I've heard it be said that, like, some of the some of the people in that group, oh, well, they'll never make it all the way to the top because they're too small. But when, when you're in a group like that, it doesn't matter. You know, and, and quite honestly, it doesn't matter anyways because if the fans want it, then, then that's what it should be. So I think they can go anywhere. Um, I, I'm impressed with them. They have impressed me from the start as a group but have continued to grow and become better and better and better. And I would expect this War Games uh, just to be something spectacular because I know they'll all work towards that common goal, which is making the the, the best, most spectacular War Games match ever been seen for our fans. So um, it, it'll be awesome. All right, everybody, that will wrap up our conference call for today. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. I know that um, that I'm going to be seeing a lot of you out in L.A., um, we'll we'll uh, continue. Everybody seems to, to have a positive feel on it, so we'll continue to do the post show um, conversation, press event. How would I don't know how you want to uh, say that, but um, I look forward to seeing all of you out there. Hopefully, you'll uh, really enjoy Takeover War Games and uh, Survivor Series, and it'll be an epic week. So I look forward to catching you all out there. Thank you very much. So those that will be at TakeOver, we'll send you an email with specifics on what time to meet and when, and we'll send out an email for the post-show for those who can't make the event. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. 
And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.